Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane, And I'm Rick Gromlick. And you were, what, mimicking me as I was doing that? Just trying to get you to laugh. Yeah, I appreciate that. You had a, Handle you had it like a, a pro. Uh, I, I did have a grin. I handled it like a pro? No, I, I did. appreciate I'm that, I'm a radio man. pro. <laughs> okay. Now that we get paid big money for doing this, <laughs> I can consider myself a pro. When you're in and Rob gets a big head. Yeah, exactly. This. And by big money, I mean we've received very little money. Enough. Rob's got new equipment. Yeah, I paid for that with my money. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, special day. We have another guest very in studio. Very special day. T- two weeks in a row we've had a guest. Was last week with Wes? Yeah. All right. I listened to that this, one. This one will be way better, I'm wait, sure. Wait, who is that? <laughs> oh, wait. So, you guys hear someone? Mysterious voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Zach. Zach. Also known Zach. as Murph Daddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Zach, Zach Murphy, Murphy is with us, my mm. neighbor, and we go to the same church, and we've been tight buddies for four I'm, I'm looking at rick as if he knows. four four years yeah something like that and yeah. i can't believe how how long that's been um wow. yeah but we we met at veritas community church yep. in columbus and the first time that danielle and i went to community group we went to our and stephanie swindman's shout out to them i'm sure they're not listening captain swindy yeah swind daddy <laughs> uh and we come in and we're trying to kind of feel the room, see who's there, see who we might be able to get tight with. And then Zach and Maria come in a little bit late, typical. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and they uh, they're in like this workout gear. Zach's got like his his post workout drink that he's drinking, and and I'm like instantly thinking. The, the, this couple right here, I'm already intimidated by. Like, <laughs> probably not going to be tight with them. Yeah, they're really into working out. I'm past that stage in life. Like I've always hated working out, but now I don't feel any obligation to because I'm not playing <laughs> sports anymore. We tried so, to draw you back in for a little bit. Yeah, you did though. You yeah. did. And I was like, this, this just probably isn't going to be one of those deeper relationships. And by God's grace, it's been the exact opposite. <laughs> Hardcore he judge. He wrote you off yeah. right away. This guy's totally. not deep at all. <laughs> no well, depth. No, I just figured, <laughs> figured I'm probably not going to get close yeah. with this guy because He's his interests are different than yeah. mine. And, <laughs> He yeah. obviously doesn't care about Jesus. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Showed up late no, in the community group. I was extremely intimidated by both you and Maria, and you guys totally uh, changed my opinion. Did, so. did Danielle have the same opinion? Was she like, mm, I think she not, did. So. I think so. I think her and I have talked about that, but we haven't talked about that for, for years. Because you're ashamed but of But we like, laugh <laughs> about it after now. Like, yeah. We were intimidated by them. They're like the nicest people in the world. So, so now you're not intimidated. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Now we've done this. Zach, why don't you tell <laughs> yeah. us a little bit about who you are instead of people taking my word for it. He's really intimidating, yes. let me tell yeah. you. Well, apparently, I love to work out. You do, though. You yeah, know, I do. You're I extremely do. talented at it. Like, yeah, I, I, I know you're not going to brag on yourself, but Zach's like nationally ranked in <laughs> no. CrossFit. Not anymore. You were. At one point, you were now like seven old. in the world. Now I'm old. Yeah. No. Um, so I'm Zach. Yeah. I'm a, uh, I get, so I go to church with, with Rob at uh, LifePoint word um so i'm the director of youth ministry there so in charge of high school middle school youth ministry um what's your what's your official title there life teams director life teams director yeah. so rob's rob's super official um <laughs> we're both yeah. directors so rob and i we both went to veritas for a while together um yep. eventually we're looking for a, a church in our community to be more invested in and landed at life point yeah yeah because we were making the trip from the Westernville, New Albany area to Downtown. the short north. Yeah. 
in Columbus. And as much as we love Veritas and still love Veritas, it just yeah. we felt a bit of a burden to be more involved in a in a church that was in our context. Yeah, for sure. So you um, are a teacher. Teacher, yeah. Middle school, seventh grade history. Yep. What up? And I actually got to go to Zach's oh, classroom yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. For an FCA. And just talk to some kids on a Thursday morning, and Zach's kids love him. <laughs> He's like the favorite teacher in the entire school. He was at his previous school too. Like they asked how how like who would you feel comfortable talking to, and it was I don't know what percentage of the students like no, over sixty percent said said Zach, and it may have so been even more than that. And then sounds like the kids aren't intimidated by him. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. takes some time to warm <laughs> exactly. up. Exactly, but uh, but then they what, what was the thing that they just did at your school with the pie? Oh, pie your teacher. Yeah, tell us tell us uh, about that. So you had to like it was by grade and whatever grade one got to like choose teachers to pie. So my seventh graders won. They picked like five teachers. There was like seven pies that they got to pie their teachers in the face, and I got five out of the seven to the face <laughs> at the time I had like this pretty nice mustache and it was uh, just yeah. caked and sugar and it was bad. Nice. But it was good. Your though. students love you. I hope so. They do. They do. Good. So, okay. You are um, a teacher. You also coach football. Yeah. Middle school football. Yep. You played. Tell us a little bit about that real quick. So, played football at my, well, I say play. I was a punter. Okay, so I didn't hit like, people. I kicked stuff. You were the best punter in their school's history. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're somewhere. On this podcast. Yes. What, wait, what school? Miami of Ohio, not right. not the one with Tate Martell now. Yeah. All right, that's still that's cool. Yeah, yeah there is. Yeah, Zach good, broke good all time. kinds of records. So you have like appreciate it. The longest punt. Yeah, longest. Do you also have the punt. shortest? No, I don't. They have okay. a negative yard. I'm close. I have a one yarder, but there was a <laughs> negative in a bowl game. So oh. on ESPN, shoot. You can find it on YouTube if you want. Now, who was it? You guys played Ohio State, and you laugh about this, too. Oh, jeez. Who yeah. was it that creamed you in the end zone? Bra- uh, Bradley Roby. Oh, so, man. plays for the Broncos now. <laughs> I got, I've got. i never been hit so hard in my life. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that cool. was rough. You got, you got to play in the shoe. Yeah. It was like a dream. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Didn't even feel like competitive. It was just like, oh, it's my yeah. childhood team. Yeah. 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 So, that was cool. cool. That is cool. Okay, so Rick has spent some time in youth ministry. We've all spent some time in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Rick, the longest out of all of us, and then Zach and I spent, um, I think, like a little under a year trying to help out with uh, the youth group that of the church that we were a part of before we ended up moving to Columbus. Um, so today, we wanted to talk about, take a little break from March Madness, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. talk about youth ministry, which, by the way, you know how in our, our group, the listeners, I'm sure, care a lot about, about this, but yeah. in, our, in our life group, we have a little March Madness. Yeah. So... We that going. I'm leading right now. I don't know how much longer that'll last. By ten points. Yeah, Dan- Danielle is like thirty points ahead of me. Is she not in the? Group? My, so my wife's beating me in our family league. Yeah, Danielle's bracket's killing it. Yeah, it's absurd. If Maria just called all the. She had UC Irvine, but she has Ohio State winning it, so I'm fairly yeah, confident I'll, I'll pass but, her again. But Danielle, Danielle <laughs> called Auburn over Kansas last night. Dang. I was like, shoot, girl. Like, Sometimes it's better to not know she just like, too much. It's, borderline. It's just random, though. Sitting yeah. in the basement it, watching all kinds of yeah. sports center. Analysis. Five screens around. Maria, Maria was like reading a ton of articles. She was like, yeah, they were saying UC Irvine was supposed to. I'm like, I didn't even know this. <laughs> wait, wait. So Maria's reading all kinds of articles and still chose Ohio State to win it all? She always. <laughs> yeah. regard, if Ohio State's in, she's picking she's Ohio picking State. Them. But she had a bunch of upsets. and Dude, my loyalties go one game. 
That's me. I picked yeah. Ohio State to win their first game, and I was like, after that. Same with UC. I give Ohio teams one. Yep, exactly. I will say to my own uh, shame, my alma mater, Liberty University, one, didn't realize they were actually in March Madness. <laughs> <laughs> and they won the first game, and I picked them to lose. So. Oh, double <laughs> no whammy. faith. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. Okay, so today we're talking about youth ministry. Yes. And um, Rick... Mm-hmm. Like I said, you've been in it, Zach. You've been in it, and we just want—I just want to kind of pick your brains, and we can all kind of go through this. Um, but with regards to what are some good things that listeners who may be involved with a youth ministry or people who may be a student in a youth ministry, um, some kind of good things to take away, things they should expect from their youth pastors, things that youth pastors should kind of strive for with regards to um, discipling the students, the expectations from the church. And so let's go through that. Before we, before we hop in, let's look at some of the texts, because we, we do want to support everything that we're talking about with Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about youth ministry because it's clearly something important. So, yes. Rick, go ahead. With the Scripture? Or what yeah, with say? the passage that you have. Yeah. So um, the reason we believe in youth ministry is because we believe that, one, we need to, to preach the gospel to all people, and we need to share that with um Students, if you come to Christ, you are a follower of Christ. And Ephesians 4 is giving instruction on how we are to equip the saints. It says, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. So what that passage is talking about is equipping the saints for ministry, to live as Christ has called them to live. So as um, leaders and, and shepherds, we, we believe that's for adults, but we also do believe that's for youth as well. We don't just say, hey, wait till you're 18. You can that's come, what I say. Come, that's, that's what Rob says, and he's wrong. <laughs> but we don't say, wait till you're 18, <laughs> then come and sit, and you can start to learn. No, we need to start pouring into them now. I will say, though, as we begin to talk about this, this is like a loaded issue because people have so many different opinions about youth ministry, what their youth ministry should supply. Um, Almost every kid who is in America in a somewhat churched area, maybe a middle-class area, has been to a youth service or a youth group or something. Some kind of youth youth event. They have exposure to those things. So there's a lot of opinions about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Zach, I'm going to go to you as soon as I read uh, Deuteronomy 6, because there's a few verses that, like that one right there was was tremendous. Deuteronomy 6 is a really popular one when it comes to um, just discipling your family, but I'm going to read that, starting in verse 4. It says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. And this passage is used frequently when it comes to, hey, there is an important rhythm in the lives of families where the parents are supposed to be teaching their children the things of the Lord, the things that they've been entrusted with. You can also look at like 2 Timothy 2, too, where 
Paul's telling Timothy to take the things that he's learned and entrust them to faithful men. But we have the same kind of pattern here in, in Deuteronomy 6 where uh, they're being told that these things that you've been told, these things that you've learned about the Lord, they're not supposed to end with you. You need to then teach them to your children so that they would be equipped to then teach them to their children, and this tradition would continue on. And so, Zach, the passage that you had, go ahead and feel free to... Uh, so the one I pulled up was Proverbs 22, 6, um, and it, you know, I'm, I'm not really fully sure what it says in this version. I'm not... <laughs> what, what, hey, what version <laughs> you got there? Yeah, what, what is that? CSB... I, Christian Standard I think it's like Bible. the message. I think it's like Similar the standard the Christian Bible. So Rick so. and I really love the CSB, and we love the ESV as well. I'm a big ESVer. I haven't haven't gotten Zach over to the CSB boat yet, so yeah. we're, we're close. He's now he's now in our studio, and he's forced to read it. Yeah, I didn't bring my own. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so again, Proverbs twenty two six says, "Start a youth out on his way; even when he grows old, he will not depart from it." Um, and so just the importance of kind of the early stages of laying a foundation and, and planting seeds in a kid, um, you know, and then that, the hopes that those will take root as they grow older. And if you do that, then your kids will 100% guarantee yeah, follow the Lord. Yeah, always. That's what it says. Yeah, that's what it is. Don't worry about the genre. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> it's the Bible. The genre is the Bible. Yeah. It's the inerrant word of God, so it is what it says it so is. What, but explain what you mean, Rob. Yeah, yeah so when, whenever you look at and. We're planning on doing a, an episode on hermeneutics, which is a fancy way of how you interpret the Bible. But you always have to look at the genre of literature you're looking at. So if you're looking at poetic literature, you can't take everything literally. If you're looking at an epistle, you have to understand that it's an argument. If you're looking at historical narrative, you have to understand what kind of literature that is. So like, if I were to start a story, if I were to start telling you something, and I start off with once upon a time, you immediately know how to interpret what I'm getting ready to say. Is this in a galaxy far, far away? <laughs> right? See, but even that, like you recognize that that's that this kind of story. And so when we read the Proverbs, that's wisdom literature. It's not saying that all of these things are guarantees. It's saying that these are general principles mm, that yeah. are more often the case than not. Yeah. So when you read that passage about raising up your children and they won't depart from it, yeah. more often than not, that's the case. If you right. raise them up to follow the Lord, more often they are going to. But if you're a parent listening today, maybe you do have a, a child who you have shared the gospel with and you raised them up. You've been faithful to do everything in your power to disciple them as, as best as you know how, and yet they walked away. I want you to understand that that passage isn't saying that, that you failed. That's just the reality sometimes that right. children will walk away. Yeah. You're no, I, to say something. Well, I, I 100% agree that you cannot take the success or failure of a person's walk with the Lord and own that. Yeah. That's not yours to own. However, a lot of people will take that and they'll be like, well, we went to church every Sunday. My kid was in the, the children's ministry, went to all the VBSs, went to youth ministry, did church camp, all that stuff, went to college, first semester, he's an atheist. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're like, what did I do wrong? And we're going to dive into that a little bit. It's not to their parents' um, shame necessarily, but kids don't need to be put through a program to know how to walk with the Lord. They need to be discipled. And we're going to talk about discipleship and how that's a parent's responsibility. Um, so my experience with youth, with youth ministry is a lot of parents will put that responsibility on the youth pastor saying, hey, here's my kid. It's kind of your job to make sure they're walking with the Lord. Mm, yeah. Or conversations where parents would say, hey, my kid's coming. I want, I'm trying to get him to come Wednesday night or Sunday night. I, I want him to, to get him there. And you want to say, well, I appreciate that you believe in me that much, but the reality is they don't just need to be around 
nice people. They need their parents to day in and day out show them what it looks like to walk with Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word. Okay, so you guys, Rick, Zach, what would be some things that you would encourage parents when it comes to uh, discipleship, when it comes to youth ministry, whether it's parents or maybe it's grandparents who are taking their kids mm-hmm. to or their grandkids to church. What would be some things that if you could if you could talk to them, they've got the earbuds in or they're listening in the car, what yeah. would be some encouraging things or some first thing I would say, and, and this can be intimidating as a youth leader, but I would tell that parent or whoever's over that child, go have a legitimate conversation with that youth pastor. Um, you know, have him over for dinner, or if he's married, have him and his wife over for dinner. Figure out what he believes about Scripture, first of all. Don't just trust him. Believe, figure out what he believes and say, like, so what's it look like for you to, to pour into my kid? You're not saying, hey, I want you to disciple my child or my son or daughter, but what does that look like in your in your mind? So you know where they're coming from, what their expectation is. And that should help you as a parent to say, okay, he's going to major on these things. That's awesome. I want to feed off of that, and I'm going to help work on these other things as well. But basically, be as proactive as you can in the relationship with the youth leader. Now, there's a lot of other stuff a parent needs to do, but that would be the first, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I think even just taking baby steps just to start asking them, you know, what are you learning at church or you know, if you're encouraging them to, to read scripture, what do you read? I mean, I know anytime I try to like implement something new, there can be like an awkward phase, mm-hmm. but the more often and more consistent you do it, um, I think it just becomes more natural. And so I know for our youth group, um, we try to send out kind of like, Hey, this is what we taught this Sunday, uh, and give parents some talking points. Cause not every parent feels super comfortable, um, you know, asking their kid things that they're learning, things that, uh, they're growing in or how they can be praying for them. Um, so we try to kind of encourage them to take those steps. And again, trying to take some of the pressure off the the youth group and into the home. Because if you think about the time that they spend at home versus youth, I mean, mm-hmm. you might have a solid hour on a Sunday where, you know, I don't know how many hours are in a week. I'm no mathematician, but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're spending lot, so, so yeah. much more time with their, their parents and yeah. uh, just the, the opportunity that parents have to invest in their kids is immensely right. more than mm-hmm. yeah. youth leader. Yeah, I think it's also important that you know we say that more is caught than taught, and, and kids, your mm-hmm. kids are watching you. And so, if you are if you're follow, following the Lord, you're in Scripture, you're in prayer, um, and you're not doing that in a showy way, but you're still doing that. Your kids are going to pick up on that, and they're going to see your own walk. And if you're authentically, genuinely following the Lord, and you're intentional in that, that's going to do more for your child's walk with the Lord. Than almost any youth ministry could do, right? So, so we're thinking about a, a a portion of church that gets thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours a week, or a, a year. And if you have a bigger church, it's a week, yeah. right? Multiple people, and the parents' individual, consistent week in week out faithful walk with the Lord is way more valuable than that ministry. Doesn't mean that the church's ministry for their youth does not serve a purpose, but I'm just saying the parent walking authentically, owning their own mistakes, owning their sin, and inviting their kid, and if they're a believer, their brother or sister in Christ to walk with them is going to do so much more than just say, hey, go check this guy out, listen to him for 20 minutes on a, on a Sunday night or whatever. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, a, a huge part of my story is watching my mom through tough circumstances. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't. I know my mom and I talked about Christianity, but there isn't like one specific conversation that really sticks out. The thing that 
sticks out is her faithfulness over the years and in tough times she was committed. I mean, I saw her praying. Um, she prayed for me. She made it clear that she was praying for me. Uh, and she just clung to the Lord through, through tough times. And that, you know, when I went off to college and was really making those decisions for myself is like really what stuck out to me and attracted me to Christianity, um, from just watching her. Yeah. But it's hard because it puts all the emphasis on the parents. Yeah. Which is ironic because, I mean, you look at Scripture like it should be there. But as humans, we are weak and we fail so often. And we just, obviously, we see our failures most of the time. And so we don't, we, we like to try and shift the responsibility and say, well, if I just get them, to get them to a spot or into a class or into this group, then they'll be okay. Yeah. Instead of saying, I got to own that. This is, literally, the Lord has entrusted this person in, you know, my hands, not, nothing you can save them or, you know, but to help disciple them and pour into them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Um, Zach, you had, you've told me the story of how you had some, some pretty great disciplers yeah, growing up. Super. So fortunate. if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, if for me, I think the biggest thing was consistency. Um, the, the, these guys just always wanted to meet up with me. Um, and again, I think the number one thing they did probably was listen. Um, they just kind of let me unload. Um, they had gotten to a point where I trusted them. Um, and then they would just kind of bring in like biblical perspective into those situations. Um, so I never felt like it was them like talking down to me, trying to like beat me in with the Bible. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I dropped that boy. Let me give you some McDonald's and healthy (laughs) dose of Bible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these people, it, it felt like they were genuinely interested in my life. Uh, and then they just met me right where I was at and they, you know, just kind of explain, Hey, no, Jesus loves you in the midst of this. Um, you know, if there was sin, it was, you know, he, he obviously wants more for your life than just, you know, where you're at right now. Um, but yeah, I think just listening first, um, and then kind of meeting me in that, that space yeah. was big. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just what you just said, just being patient. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, it, I mean, it's a fruit of the spirit, but we often overlook that is that discipleship at any age is not going to be an overnight process. And so, especially with teenagers who are going through a lot at that time of life, whatever it may be, I mean, there's just a lot going on. Um, to be patient and to listen, yeah. I feel like is is a lost art in a lot of ways, but a lot of guys are doing it really well and praise God for that because the guy that seemed to be doing it well was Lord sent into your life. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy to think about too is, so I pretty much had like someone mentoring me in, I'd say like middle school, and then a, a different one in high school. And, you know, to think of like what I was like for the one in middle school, like he was planting a ton of seeds, but he probably didn't see much fruit at all yeah. in my life. Um, and so the patience that he had to just trust that the Lord was going to do a work. Uh, and then it was kind of like, Hey, like passing you off to, you know, someone else in the church and, um, you know, started meeting with somebody else. And then they probably saw a little bit more fruit. And then when I got into a college, um, you know, I had someone who discipled me for four years and, that's probably where I really flourished the most. But had it not been for the previous two, I probably would not have been in that position by the time that I reached number three, which is really interesting to kind of think about how the Lord used everybody along that kind of chain reaction. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit because I would imagine that as a youth leader, you don't get to see a lot of the harvest. I mean, Scripture talks about how there are those who sow and there are those who reap. And I I think of my... 
my youth pastor, Rick, you're the same one, Mark, Mark Glenn. I mean, this guy we love dearly. If I would not be where I am today if it weren't for Mark Glenn. Absolutely. So yeah. I cannot say enough. Rob would, I don't know where Rob would be. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say enough great things about, about that guy. So, um, and, and there were tons of times where he was patient with me. There were tons of times where he probably didn't see the, the fruit that he was hoping to see at that stage. And by God's grace, like we're still in contact. So he gets to see a lot of the stuff that, that we're doing now. However, there's gotta be guys, uh, like Zach, like your middle school discipler who just invested a lot of time. So speak to the guys who are in that boat where they're just not seeing a lot of of fruit right now. And they feel a little bit worn out. What would be some things that you would say to them? Well, I think as a youth leader, it can be, it can be hard because, your focus is on like trying to see kids hearts change. And when you're not seeing that, it can be super discouraging. Um, and I think Rick, you were mentioned earlier, like a lot of times it can be about like the numbers of kids in your youth group or, you know, the numbers of kids being baptized. And so when you're not seeing that, it can be super discouraging. But if, if your focus is more on, I just want to love, love these kids for Jesus. And I, I think too, like I've been super convicted of just how much I pray for our kids Uh, And so I feel like when you're taking out that like prayer piece, you're really putting it on yourself of like, I have to have the right words to say on Sunday to change these kids' lives instead of seeing like without the spirit, nothing's going to happen in these kids' hearts. That's a good one. So I think when you're really like trusting the Lord, um, you know, you're, you're praying for these kids, you're, you're pleading with God for their souls to protect them throughout the week. It takes that pressure off of, of yourself. And when you're not seeing fruit, it's, you just continue to pray like, Lord, you know, maybe I'm not seeing kids moving towards you, like, please move. But yeah, yeah, you know, it just takes more pressure off yourself when you realize that it isn't on you. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm responsible to show up on Sunday to be prepared, uh, to try to meet these kids where they're at. But ultimately if the spirit's not moving. Yeah. You're responsible to be faithful. Yeah. But when it comes to that harvest, you can't, you can't force. Yeah. So can't it's, force it's super that. humbling when yeah. you really like think about it. Yeah. Rick, yeah, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think it's it's a fun age in that you get a you know students are genuine with you. They're going through a lot of transition in those years. I mean, how much you grow up from like thirteen to eighteen is ridiculous, right? So you're walking those roads with them. Um, and something I would tell our students a lot, I would say, listen, the things we're talking about, the things we're going through, you're, you're kind of preparing yourself for the the, the waves of life. And when those waves get bigger and start to really crash against you, that's when you're going to kind of see what you really believe. Mm. And so it might feel like it's mundane and, and somewhat empty that we're talking about, you know, going through books of the Bible and talking about our prayer life and talking about what we hold to God's sovereignty and all these things. But as the things of life begin to, to flood against you, it's it's those truths that kind of, kind of come back up and anchor you to the Lord and hold you fast. Um, but it's the same thing, like, y- you don't get to see those, usually don't get to see those times when those kids begin to mature more and walk with the Lord. Um, usually, if, if you do, it's the last two years of high school, and usually by then, they're kind of annoyed by all the younger kids, and they kind of check out. Yeah, so it's kind, yeah, of, yeah. kind of a bummer. Um, but you're talking about, like, Mark, and how Mark has poured into us, and he's poured into so many students over the years. But he was really intentional about a few because he know he knew he couldn't pour in the same way to all the students, right? So he poured into a few, and I think the the outcome, the repercussions of that have been huge. Um, 
Was that? Yeah, that was, was Neville. Was that He's Neville? been going nuts. Hold on a second. I'm going to go get him. I'm yeah. Gonna, so. Are you going to keep talking or you want me to pause this? Do you have to be here? Uh, if you're talking to me, if you're if you're just saying something yeah. general, I don't have to. I be think here. I think Zach and I got this. Okay, you got this. I'll be right back. We can right. talk about Rob. I know, back. right? <laughs> so tell us a good joke about Rob. You got any good stories? No, but so what Mark did was he poured into us in a way that was was deep. And that's what we talked about. Like, if you say, "Hey, awesome, we have a hundred kids." That's great. They have a hundred kids who come and they're interacting. You have that peer interaction, but if you're not, you can't pour into those kids. Find the kids that are hungry and actually desire to grow give them your best doesn't mean you ignore the rest but you have to prioritize prioritize who you pour into and then you you're patient because you you water you plant and you trust the lord to grow and then that's how that moves out from there Um, too often pastors and leaders can try to take on those responsibilities that aren't theirs and uh, it can be weary and nothing and you can tell me zach your experience but sometimes parents can be difficult Oh, I was sure. I was in youth ministry for four and a half years as the youth pastor, and I only have a just a handful of times interactions with parents that were like, kind of got my blood boiling. <laughs> but so I've been gracious in that. I've heard like just horror stories about parents. But I don't know if you've ever had. You know, uh, don't I've name been names. super super um, fortunate so far. Good. So I, That's good. Only a little over a year and under my belt good, now. If you have good leadership in the church, they'll back you. Yeah. You know, so you don't feel like you're out there alone. But and maybe it's similar with school. You probably have to deal with parents. School is, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, hey Rob, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks. Good yeah. to be here. Good to be here. What, 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 what did you, I miss? What do you have in your hand? I've got his his buzzer. <laughs> so uh, shock, I think it's a too shock. Much noise. <laughs> <laughs> shock treatment. No, we were just talking about again, like Mark, and that he couldn't pour into everyone the same way, and how it shows how he poured into some, um, not because they were special or their parents, you know, paid him more money or whatever. But as a spiritual leader, you pour into those who are hungry. Yeah. yeah. And I think back to your question too, um, you know, not every kid in your youth group is going to accept Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And so if you go in with the mentality that I'm only doing this to see everybody bear fruit and then a couple don't and you're discouraged by that, I think you're, you're missing the heart of, of Christ there. Yeah. No, that's yeah. And, and I would say we talked to kind of, harshly in the beginning about putting everything on youth ministries to help your student grow and love Christ. It is a good place for peer interaction and peer encouragement. Um, but you have to that's very hard to, to develop and very hard to maintain and keep from being a click. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so prior to entering into youth ministry, you both had experiences with it. All three of us have. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys went from having experiences to being on the receiving end of youth ministry to being on the, the front end. Mm-hmm. And so give me some some things that you had expected youth ministry to in terms of leading youth ministry to be like and some eye-opening things. So let's say there's a guy who's listening to this and he's thinking about going into youth ministry. He wants to be a youth pastor someday and he's got this idea of what it's like. Give him just a couple ideas of some things that maybe you wish somebody would have told you with regards to, hey, when you get there, it's not like this. Instead, it's like this. And, I'm, and I don't want you to paint a bleak picture, but I'm just trying to trying to say, hey, like give, give him a realistic understanding of some things to be prepared for. I mean, Satan starts attempting new ways, but there are all kinds of other things that pop up. Yeah, I definitely, I think I kind of headed in with this like blissful ignorance of like, you know, butterflies and children just like frolicking for Jesus. And yeah. <laughs> like, this is going to be amazing. You mean that's not what it's like? Oh, no, no. Um, 
you know, when, when I first got it, I definitely felt like more spiritually attacked, but there was also kind of this high of like, oh man, like you're doing all this stuff for Jesus. Uh, and then all of a sudden I started to grow like super weary and like kind of had this like early season of like burnout, probably six months in. Uh, and I think for me, I just started to realize that I was so amped up about youth group that every time I got into, got into the word, it was all about how am I going to teach the next youth group? Um, and so I started to kind of neglect my own personal time. Um, scripture wasn't there to fuel me. It was, what am I going to take from this to teach my youth group? Um, and so I started to get really weary. Uh, I would start to kind of, as I would head in on Sunday, kind of be like, oh man, like I got to go to youth group after service and teach these kids. Um, and then I started to realize like I was really missing out on like my time, like resting before the word and recharging first. Uh, and kids pick up like if you're, you're truly passionate about something. Uh, and so I definitely feel like there was a season where I felt like I was lacking passion and more just trying to talk at the kids. Uh, and then as I started to kind of revamp my quiet time, making that the priority, um, I feel like I've been more effective as a youth leader. I'm more excited to go in and just love these kids. Even, even when things are hard, um, cause youth ministry is tough. You know, I, yeah. the first like six months was kind of this wave of like, Hey, we're starting youth group. This is cool. And then things like started to hit and Honey you start to see, you, yeah, like kids are dealing with some hard stuff and, and the evil one just does not want them to cling to Jesus. Uh, and so you're trying to climb in there with them. Uh, and so that can be draining on you. Uh, if, if making a, a, your quiet time, if that's not a priority and if you're not seeking to be fueled by the word first before teaching. Yeah. I, I mean, I think of when Jesus says from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. Like if, if you're not learning yourself and if you're not growing in your enjoyment and your satisfaction in Christ, then it's going to be really difficult for you to, to transfer that to others. Yeah. That tank hits E pretty seriously, pretty easily, pretty quick, right? Yeah. 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 Rick, what about you, man? Yeah. So, um, similar where you, you just have this expectation that you're going to just see a lot of just radical transformation and and somehow your words are going to be different than everyone else's and they're going to like <laughs> yeah. listen to you. Um, so, you know, the, having those things kind of checked early on was, was a disappointment, but a good humbling process. You know, I think a couple things. One, you, you don't realize, and you talked about this, Zach, what kids are going through and how kids at 13, 14, 15, I mean, just the messed up family stuff and then the junk that's in their life and and how they were abused or whatever. It's like, this is literally, he's been on the earth for 13 years and he's going through stuff that I, I couldn't even process now. Yeah, yeah. It just, and, um, and that's the stuff you're like, hey, God's got to do this work because I got nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another hard part, but it's generally a reality is people love in the church, the greater church, they love the youth guy, but but you're seen as the youth guy. Mm. And it's hard sometimes to to have that, um, I don't want to say respect, but still that people honor you for for what you're doing in a, in a right and good way. And so that was kind of a, like, okay, that was, wasn't expected. You hear the jokes about it all the time, you know, like he's 35 and, you know, maybe one day he'll be a real pastor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> when you grow up, what do you want to be, you want to be a real pastor when you grow up? That kind of thing. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, though, it was... And it's just so rewarding because kids are authentic, and they're they, like if they're around you, they genu- genuinely love you. It's not because you're going to get them somewhere; they appreciate you. Well, and it's such a a formative 
time mm-hmm. in kids' lives. They say they say the most formidable time um, or formational time. I don't know exactly the term, but you know what I'm saying. In, in an individual's life is from 18 to 25. Yeah. Like that, those seven years, and that's a little bit of overlap with with youth. But like right before that, like if you're laying the groundwork, then that can make all the difference yeah. in that in those years of 18 to 25. And so. Um, if you guys have other things to say, uh, I'm going to give you some space to say that, but I wanted to ask one other question here. Um, when it comes to your respective uh, areas of ministry, when it comes to um, the areas, so like Rick, you served as a youth pastor in Fredericktown, Ohio, more rural area, Zach, Westerville, Ohio, more suburban context. Is there uh, some similarities, or maybe you both could speak to this, of what would you say are some of the biggest idols that youth groups and people in youth groups are facing today. It's going to change almost every year, but what are some of the things from your time in the past and presently would you say are some of the most consistent and prevalent idols within youth today in the church? Ooh, that's a big one. Um, Rick and I haven't talked about this before, so I don't know if it's different for... We don't have any outline. We're all shooting from the hip here, so I'm on the privileged side of being able to just ask the question. And you guys get to answer it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it all comes down to just everyone's selfish. So, yeah. I mean, the idol's going to change from Snapchat or Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat. You know, it was CDs and, you know, band T-shirt. You know, that kind Mixed of stuff. Mixtapes. Right. Yeah, we, had, we had to have <laughs> CD burning parties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So those things change, but ultimately kids are just craving affirmation. They want to be They want to be accepted and validated for who they are and know that they're they're okay, like, they're, it's just such an age of just constantly, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not this, I'm not that, and so they're, just that validation is what they really need, and and so, it it's, might not be their known idol, but that's the number one thing they're going after, and they're trying to fill that with social media, and yeah, social friends, media popularity. Crazy. Okay, so you Kids talk, are always on their phones. You talk about that affirmation, like, am I good enough, yeah. and all that. How, how did you talk to students? who are asking those kinds of questions, whether directly or indirectly. Yeah. So we just talked a lot about it's your identity has to be in Christ. Yeah. Um, people will fail you. You know, your your sports will fail you. Everything you seek to put that in will leave you hungry and wanting more, whether that's, you know, clubs, friends, sports, porn, drugs, alcohol, whatever you get into, it's going to leave you empty and, and really worse off than you started. And Christ, because he made you, designed you, is there to fulfill you. And so following after him and allowing him to be the Lord of your life is what's going to ultimately bring that satisfaction. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Yeah. So today, that was kind of our our topic, and we were kind of using the analogy. um, I think they use it at Veritas, but how like we were built to worship, um, and we are constantly worshiping. And so if you're not worshiping God, then you kind of have to ask yourself, what what is it? Um, And so we were kind of listening through different things that people easily worship. And the, the biggest one that was coming up was kind of peer view, how peers view you, mm, yeah. um, which is interesting. I mean, social media just kind of blows up. Um, everyone wants, I mean, you're not going to post something bad about yourself. And so yeah. you want everyone to see the best side of you and everyone just thinks that's what they have 24 seven and then question, why don't I have this? Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to try to break through that and to, to tell a kid, Hey, like, it's going to leave you feeling empty and maybe worse out whatever it is, social media, sports, um, 
you know, in, in their right way, they can be good things. Um, and, and I think we, we've been talking a lot about like planting seeds, you know, some kids unfortunately have to walk through tough stuff and that's, and that's why, you know, I love being a youth leader because I get to be there for them in that. And, you know, I would never wish that on, on a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just hope and, and pray that they have a foundation that when they walk through something like that, that they come out looking to Jesus instead of trying to go deeper into something. Yeah, that's good. Guys, anything else on this topic? Uh, the only thing I can think of is just, well, I guess I have a question yeah. for, for you, Rob oh, or boy. Rick. I, I just, oh, it's always weird to think about, but like, why do you think that youth pastors and youth leaders are like legitimately the coolest people in the church? <laughs> um, great question. <laughs> great question, indeed. Um, and we'll answer that next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Rick. No, I mean, what? I'm gonna let you answer that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want a serious yeah. answer for an unserious question? I mean, or you can just ask another question or say something. Yeah, no, no I do think. Um, well, to that, I'm just going to kind of rant a little bit here. Don't hire the coolest guy in the church for you as a youth pastor. <laughs> oh, trust me, LifePoint didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm far from that. Hire the guy who loves Jesus yeah. and yeah. loves kids. Yeah, for sure. And um, chances are they're probably the coolest guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I would say, like, youth ministry is just, it's important that the, those students feel loved, they feel valued, they feel like they're a part of the church, that the church has not forgotten them. Having said that, and to go back to the parent thing again, I just can't emphasize enough how important it is for the parents. Parents, if you're listening, future parents, do not pick a church based on if your kid likes it or not. You pick a church that's going to disciple you because you then go disciple your student. And um, if you just let that child dictate what's fun and exciting, they might be more engaged on a Sunday. But over the long haul, it's going to be more detrimental than finding a place that's feeding you as a parent, helping you become more like Christ, and then you go do that, do the same with your student. Yeah, yeah. I heard I heard a phrase one time. I think I told you about this, Rick. Is uh, a woman was saying, uh, "Don't you dare!" <laughs> Rick was about to shoot me through a band. Um, a woman was saying, "You know the phrase, Rick? Oh my goodness! <laughs> What'd she say? She said, she said, go where your kids grow.'" And, and I just wanted to... At home. That's where they grow. <laughs> and I was just picking them in my head like, no, no, no. And, and like, I understand what she's yeah, trying to it's, say. It's like, a I wanna, good I, sentiment. Exactly. Like, wrong. you want to make sure that your kids are growing. Um, but, but man, don't make that choice based off of... I mean, don't let your kids choose. Like, oh, this is the church I want to go to. Because oftentimes they're going to choose for the wrong reasons. Like, you need to be the primary spiritual leader. And then encourage that growth in them. Yeah, it's interesting you said so a lot of our kids are involved in young life. Uh, and if you know much about young life, they, they kind of have a, a model of, they have club and campaigners and club is like all about having a ton of fun. Like just do the craziest, weirdest stuff ever attract kids to young life and then come to campaigners and we'll have a Bible study. Um, and I've had kids like ask, Hey, like, why aren't we doing things that young life do at club? Like it's so exciting and cra- And you know, it's interesting cause yeah, I've had a lot of friends that have been in Young Life, have been not only through Young Life, but have been Young Life leaders uh, that after college walked away from their faith. Yeah. Um, and if you talk, like a lot of them will say, well, you know, after college, I, I wasn't feeling the excitement of Christianity. It's kind of a dangerous mm-hmm. road to walk of choosing a church based off 
your kids saying it's fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I like how Rick was saying, like, talk to your youth pastor, get to know them, make sure that like they're theologically sound. Like what is their model for discipleship? Like, are they even passionate about discipling kids? You yeah. know? So, yeah, it's a good word. Now, uh, as we wrap up here earlier, you said something about how uh, Mark helps kind of connect the youth to the parents. Cause we've been talking about how the parents are the primary disciplers. Yeah. And the youth ministry is there as, as, a, as a beneficial ministry, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Just real quick, go over that, and then we'll wrap up. So uh, the thing that Mark does. Yeah, so I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. So we're, we kind of communicate on, like, what the, what the talk was, uh, what were some of, like, the main application questions. Uh, and then every week we send out an email with a ton of stuff, like event info, um, when our next group is. But the main heart behind it is, hey, this was the main bulk of the talk. Um, these are some of the main ideas. And then here are some good application questions, um, kind of like some table talk for dinner. Um, and so we, we use the same general talks for middle school and high school. So we have a lot of families that have both middle school and high school students. Um, but just to be able to stir up conversations at dinner in the car on the way to school, sports, whatever. Uh, but just to get that ball rolling for parents, because I think sometimes just taking that initial step to talk to your kids about you know, their, their walks are encouraging them for yeah. some people like that can be uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Rick, you want to wrap uh, us up here? Just this was a that. great conversation, by the way, Zach, thanks for stopping Appreciate in Zach. No problem. being a part of it. We've been wanting to do this for a while. Yeah. And just say to, if there's any youth ministers listening or always point them to the word, it never yeah. fails. You, you always do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Zach Murph, daddy, uh, Miami hall of famer. Appreciate <laughs> your presence <laughs> at the table today. Hey, as always, we appreciate you guys, the listeners, and we appreciate hearing from you. So you can go to simpletheology.org and connect with us there. Until next time, peace. Peace. Peace.